Tamika, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Let me just start off by saying I love y'all. Like this, it is so amazing. The amount of support that I have been receiving, everything has just really been kind of overwhelming. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast about my blended family. And I, you know, I gave you guys insight on the characters that make up my family. And it it was, for me, it was very important for you guys to know kind of like who I am and, and who my kids are, who my family is, because it really sets a foundation. And I believe your foundation is everything. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the journey to self-love. You know, I get so many women, I get so many people really that tell me how much they admire me and they admire my transparency, they admire my authenticity, and they really admire my positive, you know, outlook on life. And if I'm truly honest, I have to tell you that this did not happen overnight. It has been a process and I kind of want to walk you guys through my journey to self-love. And you know, as always, whenever I do my podcast, I love, love, love to leave you guys with a quote or something that you can kind of hold on to. And I want to challenge you as I'm saying things throughout the podcast, you know, as I'm dropping those gems and I'm dropping those dimes, I want you to add them to your Facebook stories, add them to your YouTube, your Instagram stories. I want you guys to share the information. What I know for sure is that as we lift, we must bring people with us. So as we're climbing and we're going higher in life and we're learning things, it is so important for us to share the knowledge and to bring people with us. So as I'm saying things that like spark something in you and you like, yes, girl, oh my God, dang, Tamika, I want you to add those things to your Instagram stories. At me, go ahead and at me. You know what I'm saying? At me, let let your girl know that you're listening. That's what I'm not challenged is for you guys this week. So let's talk about how I got to where I am today. So the, the quote that we are going to stand on today is one of my favorite, favorite foundational scriptures, which is Jeremiah 29 and 11. This scripture has literally, it's it's been there with me through good times, through bad times. And I just want to share it with you because we can get advice. We can listen to podcasts. We can listen, watch YouTube videos. But I, I think none of that is really matters if we don't have anything that we can take away from, you know, the things that we're enjoying and that we're doing that we're actively involved in. So those of you that are actively involved with this Tuesday with Tamika podcast, the scripture that we are going to stand on or the quote, but it's really a scripture that we're standing on today is Jeremiah 29 and 11. And it says, for I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, saith the Lord, thoughts to prosper you and to bring you to a uh, expected end. Just think about that. Like 
man, that's good all by itself. You know, I could drop the mic and I could close up this podcast right now. Just knowing that everything that you have gone through, everything that you will will go through, God already knew the plans for it. God already knew that it was going to happen and he has a expected end for you. And the thing of it is, is the expected end is good. Like God wants us to have peace. He wants us to have happiness. So I want to take you guys on my road to self-love. And what I know for sure is that most gifts, you know, are wrapped in really beautiful wrapping paper. And when you unwrap them, there's this beautiful box or there's something and you're able to honor that and love it. And, and, you know, you put it on the shelf because it's so beautiful. But what I also know is that some gifts are wrapped in sandpaper and that sandpaper is rough and it hurts. But guess what? Sandpaper polishes it and it finishes it and it makes it nice and smooth. And that's how I feel like life has been for me. I have had many gifts that have been wrapped in sandpaper sandpaper. And I'm going to be completely honest and completely vulnerable as I take you through my process of self-love. Because, you know, I I said it before, social media is nothing but a highlight reel. So people like to talk about the grind and they like to talk about where they're at and, you know, they flawless and they wake up like this and, you know, eyebrows on fleek. I don't know if people still say that no more, but, you know, we like to talk about all, you know, just how the, the banging stuff of of life right now. But we all know that sometimes life sucks and sometimes life is hard. And one of the things that I pride myself on is my authenticity and my transparency. So my love, my journey to self-love has not been easy, you guys. So here I go. I'm going to kind of tell you how I became the woman that I am today. So my journey started with my parents. My parents were 15 and 16-year-old when they had me. My mom was 15. My dad was 16. Um, we, I, was, I come from this town called Pomona, California, P-Town, stand up. You know what I'm saying? If you catch me on the right day, you'll catch me throwing up my gang signs. You feel me? <laughs> that's, that's just who I am. That's the fabric of my foundation. I am from Pomona, California, and I love it. There's no shame in my game. I was born in the 80s. 1980 to be exact. And, you know, during that time, there was a lot of drugs and there was drug epidemics and there was a lot going on. And unfortunately, my mother got caught up in that. So at a very young age, my mom began to abuse drugs and alcohol. And I I saw things that little girls shouldn't see. You know, I witnessed things that little girls shouldn't witness. Um, My mom, you know, fell a victim to the crack epidemic, and she began to use drugs and alcohol. I saw her go in and out of jails. You know, when I think back to some of my earliest memories, it's her, you know, getting into police cars and being locked up. And because of that, you know, there was a lot of unsupervised time and there was a lot of uh, bad things. I often tell people, that my life is somewhat like a lifetime movie, but these are the things that qualify me. You know, it's not the degree that I have hanging on my wall. It's not, you know, the the certified coaching certificate. It's not the books that I've written. It's not, none of those things are the things that qualify me. It's this stuff that qualifies me. And I'm gonna be, you know, transparent, even as I'm talking about it. If I'm honest with you guys, it makes me a little bit nervous, you know, because we worry about how people are gonna judge us. But I know that I know 
know that I know me being vulnerable, me being transparent is going to free somebody because I know that there's a little girl out there that may be listening or that will listen or, or a mother that still has the little girl trapped inside of her that is dealing with, you know, the sexual abuse that happened. And I'm here to tell you that that is all contributing to your journey of self-love because I, and I'm not saying this because I read it in a book. I'm saying it because I know it because I lived it. So in that, in that time of my life where um, my parents were young teen mothers, I experienced sexual abuse. I experienced physical abuse. There was a lot that happened. Um, At the young age of six, I was hit by a car and left for dead. And it's so amazing because I feel like um, the devil has always been trying to take me out and I never understood why. And I used to be one of those people that said, why me? But I understand now, I understand that it's such for such a time as this, because this podcast was going to be released. This information was going to be given and the devil wanted to take me out. What did I say? Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. So as I was that little girl laying in the middle of that street, being left for dead, I didn't understand it. Like, why did I get hit by this car? Why does, is this pain happening? Why is my mommy going to jail? Why are these, you know, my mom choosing drugs over me and my little girl mind. That's all I understood. But this all contributed to my journey of self-love. So when I got hit by the car, it, it catapulted, you know, something in my dad to make him want to get custody of me because from zero to seven, I live primarily with my mom and my grandmother and cousins and aunts on my mother's side, my biological mother's side of the family. And then this nasty court case happened. And it, it was actually, you know, as when I was a little kid, I used to think I got taken away from my mom. I used to always say that, like, I got taken away. But now I understand that I was kind of saved, you know. Um, so I went to go live with my my dad, and at the time he had he was already married, and he had two kids, and I thought, okay, life is gonna be great, and everything's gonna work out, and and there was just a lot of stuff that I even witnessed in that home from. Um, physical abuse with, you know, my parents fighting and different things. And I instantly became kind of like a mother, you know, from a very young age. So when I, when I talk about my blended family, um, you know, and and I'm not going to excuse myself. I always say like, Oh, forgive me. You guys know that I'm a crybaby, And, and I, when I cry, I excuse myself, but I'm, I'm learning not to edit myself. I'm not going to edit myself. So if the tears flow, if, if those things happen, I, I know that somebody needs to hear this. So I'm going to let it come out. So from a very young age, I would say about eight years old, I really became like a mother. You know, I didn't physically give birth to children, but the responsibility of me taking care of other people started. And so that's where I first learned that I didn't really matter and that other people mattered more than me. And I had to put other people in front of me because I was cooking and I was cleaning and I was doing hair. And I, at a very, very young age, you know, I became somewhat of a mother. So I want to speak to the big sisters, the big brothers, you know, that are out there, or even more importantly, I want to speak to parents that have children that, you know, and, and you're making your oldest child do all this stuff and you're looking at it as um 
they need to learn responsibility. It's okay. I can tell you now it's a part of my love story. So it's a part of the things that made me a wonderful mother. But at the time when I was eight years old and I should have been outside playing and, and doing other things. And I had to, these big responsibilities to wake my brothers up from school and to walk them. That was tough, man. And that, that was very tough, but I'm grateful for it. You know, I don't look at anything that I've been through as like, oh, woe is me. Or why did this happen to me? I'm not not gonna lie when I lived in it yes it was hard but now I'm so grateful for it because guess what if that didn't happen if I didn't become the big sister of 10 younger brothers and sisters that I had to care for that I had to take care of I would not be able to hold the responsibility and the weight of being a bonus mom to five children. I now have eight bon- eight kids all together. And those five bonus children, if I did not have that experience as a little girl, it, I would not be able to carry that weight now. I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. I don't think we understand that when we're going through it. So, so let me just continue. You know, because I didn't grow up in a very, you know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of good. Like my dad taught me how I should be treated. He used to buy me and my sisters Valentine's cards and, you know, he he loved us hard. He was a hard man. I'm not going to lie. Like he, it was hard to live underneath his roof um, because he had such high expectations for us. But I'm grateful for that because it taught me, you know, to, to not lower my standards, to not just accept anything. But as a kid in a kid's mind, it was very difficult to live under those strict rules, you know, and, and to live, my dad was an authoritarian, like he ruled with an iron fist and that was very difficult. So because I, I now, now hear me out now, just imagine. So from eight years old, when I was removed from my mother's home, I did not see my other side of the family, maybe one or two different times, you know, um, but because of their lifestyle, my dad kept me separate. So what happens Our mind is the soil by which everything grows. So when you're a little girl and you're just thinking, where's my mom at? Where's my siblings at? Where are these people at? Guess what grows in that soil? You're not worth anything. You're not good enough. Nobody loves you. If your mama don't want you, who would really love you? So that started to grow and it was cultivated by the absences, right? So it was cultivated by her telling me that she was going to show up and she didn't show up. It was cultivated by all the little boys that I thought I would fall in love with and they would come and go. It was cultivated that that soil, that seed that was planted in the soil of my mind began to be cultivated by all the disappointments of life. So what did I do? I thought, hey, I'm going to use everything that I have. I know that I'm pretty. I know that people want me. So I got married, you guys, right at 18 years old, right out of high school, like literally six months out of high school. I got married. But let me let me back up um, because this is a story that I don't share very often. Um And I'm not going to give you guys the names of people, but before um, I got married, to my first husband, um, I was in a relationship with a pastor's son, a PK. Y'all keep mm, watching them PKs. They crazy. <laughs> um, and I actually got pregnant at 16 years old. And a lot of people don't know that. And um, 
we were 16 and we weren't ready to have a baby. So I took my little self to the clinic and I got an abortion and I went on about life as if nothing ever happened. And that contributes to my self-love journey. Why? Because I learned to just keep things pushing, even though I was in so much pain emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, because I knew what I had done wasn't what I wanted, but it's what I had to do at that time. And, and let me just pause and say this. I'm a Christian. I believe the word of God. And I know right from wrong. However, we need to stop demonizing people and we need to stop putting people in hell for decisions that they make. We, we really do. We, we have to stop doing that. Because if I had somebody that I could turn to, maybe I would have nine children right now. Maybe I would have kept that baby. You know, but I felt like the, the um, pressure and the labels that people would have put up on me, I couldn't deal with it. So I, I didn't know where to, to go do. I didn't know what to do. So all I knew what to do is to follow my flesh. So I followed my flesh. Of course, that relationship didn't work out. Um, and here we are. Two years later, we're the first guy that shows me interest because I never, that soil, right? So that that seed of not being good enough, not being loved was now had like a little tree growing in it with fruit falling off of it. So what did I do? I got married. I got married at 18 years old. I was six months pregnant with my first child when I got married to my um, children's father. And we had actually a decent relationship considering, considering, you know, what statistics say about, about being married young. And we only knew each other for about two or three months before we got married and we got married. Our marriage lasted, uh, 11 years. And if you know me, you know, I don't say that I'm divorced. I say that we successfully completed our relationship and our marriage was successfully completed after a statement that he made to me, um, we had had some difficulties in our marriage. There was, you know, things that happened from both of us. N- neither one of us um, were perfect in our marriage. Uh, but I remember just telling him I needed to be loved and I needed to feel secure and I needed to feel wanted, you know, uh, because brothers that are listening, that's what women want. We want to feel loved. We want to feel secure. We want to feel honored. But he was incapable of giving me that. And I remember he told me, I will remember this. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, not because it hurts anymore, but because it's part of my journey to self-love. He told me, how can I love you and you're not even my family? Now, I have bored three children, four children to be exact, because we have a set of twins. You know, Amaya is a twin and her twin passed away at birth. So I have bored four children for this man. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get vulnerable. I have not shared this part of my story either. Um, but between or in between Moses and Amaya, I got pregnant and he asked me to get an abortion. So, so I had five of this man's children, you know, one that I did not, and, and, and just think about the guilt that I carry because of that. So I had two abortions, one at the age of 16 and one in my marriage, one, you know, I never thought that this would, you know, be my story, but 
I, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be married. You know, I wanted, I wanted that true love because little girl Tamika was still operating. She would show up often. And, and maybe you don't understand what I'm saying, but when you don't truly fully love yourself as a grown woman, the little girl in you, the little boy in you pops up and they throw tantrums and they do, you know, they're sneaky and they're manipulative and they do things to try to get the attention because you feel like you've never gotten the attention that you deserved as a child. So, and this is all this, I'm not saying any of this for a pity party. I'm saying this to help you. You guys know I live a life to inspire, not impress. And there's many of us operating out as, a, as little children because we don't truly love ourselves. Yeah, we post pictures on the gram and we flexing and we sexy and we looking good. And you know, yeah, it looks like everything is all together. But on the inside, because of stuff that our parents did, we're carrying baggage that that does not even belong to us, but that was given to us and that was handed down to us. So we don't know how to truly, truly love ourselves. So that was one of those gifts wrapped in sandpaper. When he told me that he couldn't love me because I wasn't his family, that was like, okay, bruh. All right. I got you. I got to love me. But it doesn't end there. So I continued on this dysfunctional cycle of what I thought was love. And six months after that divorce, I entered into another relationship. Here we go. Let's pause again, Christians. Let's pause. Why did I do that? Because I was told if you go, which is true, this is word. Fornication is a sin. Adultery is a sin. I, I know all that. But I was told if you into somebody and you like them, you need to get married. I was never told about premarital counseling. I was never told to find out if you equal, if you truly equally yoked with this person. I was told if y'all believe the same thing, then y'all equally yoked. I wasn't talked about, taught about finances. I wasn't talked to, told about, you know, how they live, if they clean, if they crazy, if they mental health is in point. I wasn't told about any of those things. So being equally yoked is way more than do we both believe in Jesus and do we both you know, go to church on Sunday. It's way deeper than that. But because I thought we were quote unquote equally yoked, I entered into another relationship that was one of the greatest gifts that I ever experienced because it was the roughest. I never thought that I would experience domestic violence because as a little girl, I watched it happen and I promised myself that I would never allow that to happen to me. But I entered into this relationship and there was lots of domestic violence, mutual, mutual domestic violence. And in the midst of just the amount of stress, that relationship, I thank God because I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. He did not allow that relationship to last very long. It was about two years. It was a quick, short marriage. And um, we successfully completed that relationship. And let me tell you about some of the gifts I got from that relationship. One of the biggest gifts is at the end of that marriage, I had a major stroke. Literally, literally, this, this really still is very emotional to me because of the way it affected my children. But I woke up like normal to go pick my kids, you know, get them up for school. It was about 632. I fell into my daughter's um, closet trying to wake her up from school and you hear like, you know, this big bang and my daughter's screaming and, and it's, it's like, you know, I know y'all saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. So y'all might not know what it feels like to be drunk, but I've been drunk before. You hear me? And so I felt as if I was drunk and I just couldn't 
Like everybody around me is moving in slow motion and my mind is working. And I, you know how drug or uh, alcoholics, you know, you stay in all the right words, but everybody looking at you like, bro, shut up. You're slurring. Right. So that's how I felt, you know, and my, my boys run into the room and they're screaming and they're crying. Um, and me being me, remember, I learned at a very young age that Tamika, you didn't matter. And I also learned to just push through it, just to push through it. So let's take a commercial break. Those of you that feel like life is hard, like we have this coronavirus, we got all this crazy stuff going on and people are telling us, just push through it, just push through it. I'm telling you, if you feel like you need to take a break, if you feel like you need to pause, do it. Do it. I, I During that stroke, I'm sitting here having a stroke and I tell my kids, I, I, I asked them to grab me a pen and to grab me a paper because my words weren't coming out, but I knew my mind was still active. So I had, I wrote down, go put me in the shower. Is that not crazy? But I learned from a very young age that I didn't matter. And just to keep going, that everybody else mattered more than me. We need to start telling people that they matter. I want, after you turn off this podcast, I want you to go and text three people and tell them that they matter. Tell them that you're thinking about them. Tell them that you love them. Because if Tamika, if 32-year-old Tamika would have heard that, maybe she wouldn't have, maybe she would have just sat down and got the rest that she needed. Maybe she would have told people that she was in this domestic violence relationship but no I felt like I just gotta keep going the facade the mask you know that I was wearing I felt like I had to just continue to wear it so I asked my kids my oldest son to put me in the shower and I never forget as I walked past the the mirror I looked at myself and I thought oh my god my face was completely disfigured. I had no motion. Like I could not walk. My son, my 13, my son was 13 years old at that time. He, I made him carry me to the shower and I just remember him like the tears. I think that's the first time I ever seen him besides being like a little boy. That's the first time I remember seeing him like cry real tears and he looked so scared. But in my dysfunction, I just kept saying, get me in the shower. I could keep going. I got people that I have to help. What about me? I never thought to love me. I never thought to stop and to care about me. And this is all part of my journey to self-love. That was the greatest gift. In that time, I believe I was in the um, hospital for about two weeks and I pushed, you know, I am truly a walking miracle. If you've ever seen me in person, you would say, what? A stroke? Major stroke. The the um, damage on my brain is about quarter size. And so there are times, and I, I'm, I'm noticing it sometimes, you know, when I talk, I can't get the right word out or, or diff- things come out differently. Um <clears throat> But there's a cure to that. That's this is why I work out. This is why I do those things because your brain is re, it can rejuvenate itself. So the greatest gift I got was that stroke because after that, oh, I skipped I skipped a very major part. Let me rewind. Okay, <laughs> I skipped a very major part. So um, in my first marriage, um, another gift that I received was, and this is all to the journey of my self care, my self love, I should say. Um, there was a period of time before our final divorce that me and my my children's father that we separated, and because that soil, it was now like a full blown garden of you're not loved, you're not worthy, nobody cares about you. I mean, I had 
all kind of fruit in that dysfunctional garden, that um, the soil was being cultivated by different things, uh, just negative self-talk and and negative hate, like self-hate, right? It was really, we like to talk about our haters and how our haters, you know, uh, cause us this pain and discomfort. But if we're, if we're really honest, it's us. 80% of the stuff that we say to ourselves is negative. So I had like just full of negativity that I was saying to myself. So I had a full on, full on suicide attempt. Um, I took 40, 800 or 600 milligram Motrin and I was trying to take myself out. I woke up in the hospital room and, you know, was, was surprised that I was pregnant. That's another part of the story that a lot of people don't know. So, um, I had, I'm just going to call it, I'm going to call a thing a thing. That's what I'm learning is to call a thing a thing. So I had the suicide attempt, but not only did it affect me, but it affected my unborn child. So I basically, you know, killed my child, um, trying to kill myself. And here's the thing about suicide that people don't, a lot of people, you know, when they think about suicide, I've heard things like, oh, you're so selfish. You're so this and suicide. Definitely. It ends the pain for that person, but it increases it for other people. But the person that wants to die, the person that is thinking about suicide, it's not even that they really want to die. They want the pain to end. So my pain, the the garden that I had grown with, oh, you're not worthy. You know, the no other people matter more than you. That, that garden was so thick and the pain was so real. I just, wanted that pain to end. I wanted that pain to end. So I, I had that suicide attempt and nothing, but I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord, even in the midst of all of that, God knew, God knew that all of this was going to be for his glory. All of this was going to be for one day. I could sit on this podcast and I could tell somebody that are having those thoughts because let's keep it 100. The church don't tell us this, but having thoughts of suicide is actually a natural human emotion that so many people have every single day, but they sit in silence. You know, maybe you don't have the attempt, but you have the thought, what would it be like if I wasn't here anymore? What would it be like if I killed myself? People have these thoughts flow in and out of their head on a daily basis, and they have nobody to go talk to because when they go to their pastors and when they go to the mothers of the church, because I went to the pastor, I went to the mothers of my church, and I was told you need to fast more. You need to read your word more. You need to, you know, come to Bible study. You need to go to more church services, which I was doing all that I thought that I could do. Nobody told me, what if, what if Tamika, you're suffering from PTSD from all the trauma that you experienced as a little girl? What if this is something bigger than what fasting and prayer? I, 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 trust me, I subscribe <laughs> to, that's that stroke right there. I subscribe to fasting and praying. I do it on a weekly basis. I pray hard, I fast hard, and I know that some things cannot go away without fasting. And I believe that I stand on the word of God. But I also knew that I, at that time I didn't know, but what I know now is that I needed mental health. I needed to talk to a therapist. So you that may be sitting out there that are think, having these thoughts and you feel like, am I crazy? No, you're a human that is having a human experience. Go seek help. Go get the help that you need so you could be the person that you want. And so you can truly live your life. You could have like self-love and you could love yourself fully. All of that is for the making of you. All of those things are gifts. All of those things are gifts. So 
in that crazy relationship that successfully completes and I have the stroke and all of this was for the making of me because I promised God in that moment. And I more than God, I promised myself, if I get out of this, if I make it out of this, I'm going to do better. I'm going to love myself fully. Um, you know, I, I, I promised myself that I was going to do all these things. So what? how did I get to that point? Now let's get to the good stuff. You, you heard the story about all the, and there's much more. There's much more trials and tribulations that happen. But if you've been following me for any amount of time, you know that I have turned my trials into treasures. Everything that I've been through is a treasure. I have this imaginary treasure box that I have with me everywhere I go. So when I, I run into people that have been through the hard things that I've been through, or when God gives me the platforms to talk, I could tell people, if I made it through, you can make it through because the word of God says, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you. You think God didn't know that I was going to go through all those things? You think God didn't know that you were going to go through all of those things? He did. He knew the plans and thoughts that he had for us. So how did I turn all of this, all of these trials into treasures? Okay. So after the stroke, after I begin to recover, there are some very, now, now I used to go to this church where the pastor would say, if you taking notes, write this down. And if you ain't taking notes, write this down. So here is the time for you to grab your paper, grab your pencils and write these things down because I'm, I'm telling you, it works. It works. Those of you that see me and you're like, oh my gosh, she's so strong. She's so positive. You probably didn't know that I went through half that stuff. You probably didn't know that I experienced those things, but I didn't just get stuck. See what happens is we have the option. We have the option to rent in spaces, to take leases in spaces, or to buy in places. I decided that those situations, I was just renting. See, a rental agreement could be a month to a year to, you know, month to month. I rented in my sadness and in my depression and in my loneliness, and I did not buy there. I did not buy there. So in order for me to get out my rental contracts with that dysfunction, I had to do something. So here are the things. Things that I did to transform my life and to become the woman that I am today. So I started every single day waking up and working out because it's true. When you feel, when you look good, you feel good, right? So I had to start loving myself. But before I, I the body chart, you know, because it doesn't happen overnight. Those of you that go to the gym three times and you think, okay, you gonna look good. No, it, it takes some time, right? So this was a daily practice. And in the midst of it, in the midst of me transforming my mind and transforming my body, I would look myself in the mirror with, you know, I have four babies. So I had body of the body of a mama, you know, I would look myself in the mirror and I would love my C-section scar. I would love the, the dimples, the cellulite. I would love all of that. I would actually like love on my body because I am no, how could I expect anybody else to love me? If I didn't love me, if I didn't like what I looked like. So I would get up every morning, I would go work out after I would work out, I would journal and I would read. So so often we forget to um, add information. There's a, there's a saying that says um, people perish for the lack of knowledge. And, and that's so true. That is so true. That's word. But what if you don't implement that knowledge? See, that's what happens is we get the knowledge, but then we don't implement it. So every day 
I would journal and I would read. Find you something positive to read. The Bible is great. It's a great resource. It's something great that we all need to add into our lives. But there are also other books that forget what they tell you. If you read other books, you ain't going to hell. You need to have some education in your life. So I would educate myself about being a mother, being a single woman, being, you know, um, an entrepreneur, all the things that I wanted to do in my life. I got books to help me with that. So the journal journaling. Um, another plug, you can still hit your journal for only $4.44. I poured my heart into this because it's something that I've been doing for over 10 years and I promise you it worked. So I would journal I would, and I wouldn't just um, do the nasty, nice journaling where I'm just like ranting, which that is okay. There's a time and a place for that. But I started with gratitude. What am I grateful for? You know what, what, because gratitude grows just like fear, fear grows, whatever we're putting into our system, it's going to grow. So I would uh, say the things that I was thankful for. The other thing that I did is I connected to people that were 10 steps ahead of us. See, shame, guilt, all those things, they like to isolate us because when we're isolated, they can grow. So they likes to keep us by ourselves. And we say crazy things like, oh, I can't trust nobody and don't tell nobody your business. And we like to say all those things because it keeps us stuck. But when we connect with people that are 10 steps ahead of us and we're willing to be transparent and we're willing to be authentic, then we can get out the rut. How can you get out the rut? How can you people help you and lift you up if you don't open up your mouth? and say what's going on with you. So I connected with people. The other thing is I stopped. Now, y'all gonna think I'm crazy for this, especially with the coronavirus. Everybody think that they gotta know what's going on. I stopped watching the news. I refuse, refuse, refuse to watch the news. I can get my news. I can get the information that I need on social media, but I don't feed into that because fear grows. Fear feeds more fear. So it grows. It, it becomes to where you, you're sitting in fear and you're scared to move because all you think about is you gonna die and and the the big black man that's gonna come and get you I stopped I stopped looking at all that stuff it's crazy and then I started to believe the promises of God I've said it before I'm a church girl right so I grew up in church I knew the word of God but did I really trust it and did I really believe it so I started to believe that I was fearfully and wonderfully made I started to believe that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world I started to believe that he knew the plans and thoughts that he had for me I believe that stuff and I stood on it and see not only do we need to believe it but then we need to repeat it back to God have you ever told your kids that you was going to take them to McDonald's or you was going to take them somewhere and you you don't take them what do they do mama we going to mcdonald's mama you said on tuesday mama you said that you was going right so i started to tell god god you said that i was fearfully and wonderfully made god you said that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world i started repeating it back to god and my life just began to radically change it started to radically change and then i stopped completely stopped believing the opinions of others because guess what what other people think about me from my mama to my daddy to my cousins to my brothers and sisters to whoever my co-workers my bosses what they think about me does not matter it's what I think about me I have to love myself I have to know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made I have to look myself in the mirror and say that I'm beautiful I have to say that I'm smart I have to say that I'm valuable I had to believe that stuff and then the 
there's a couple of rituals that I did and we're getting ready to wrap up. I just want to share a few of these rituals that I did with for myself to be this woman that I am today. So every single day I would look myself in the mirror and I would say seven things that I'm proud of. So I would say to me, I'm proud of you for paying the rent. I'm proud of you for cleaning your house. I'm proud of you for X, Y. I would just tell myself, you know, I'm proud of you for graduating. I'm proud of you for not hitting your kids anymore. Like I'm proud. I would tell myself the things that I'm proud of. And then I would say, Tamika, I forgive you for. And this is where the real work happened. See, we always talk about forgiveness, but are we willing to forgive ourselves? So I would say, Tamika, I'm forgive you for those abortions. Tamika, I forgive you for having sex with people looking for a little bit of love. Tamika, I forgive you for the suicide attempt. Tamika, I forgive you for having a lack mindset and a poverty mindset. I had to forgive myself and the tears would roll and I would be in my mirror looking just sad and pitiful, but it, it was healing. There was something amazing happening. Remember I said the soil is the, the mind is the soil soil by which everything grows. I started to plant different seeds. I started to plant seeds of hope. I started to plant seeds of love. I started to plant seeds of forgiveness and I started to reap beautiful. Now now my fruit was changing. Things started to look a little bit different in my life. And then I would say, Tamika, I promise you that I'm telling you guys, I spoke this stuff in my life. I wrote in my journal that I would be in a five bedroom house. I now live in a five bedroom house. I wrote in my journal and I spoke it. I promised myself that I would have a healthy marriage. I have a healthy marriage. I spoke it and I wrote it in my journal that I would have the body that I wanted. And now I have it. You know, I'm a little pounds overweight, but I can get there again, right? I spoke these things. I promised myself that I was going to have a healthy relationship with God. And I wasn't going to just worry about what pastor said, but I was going to go directly to God and know the answers and go directly to the word of God. Now you need to get into a church and you have a pastor that can feed you. But some of us are in dysfunctional relationships, even spiritually. So I promised myself that I wasn't going to have spiritual dysfunctional relationships. And as I begin to promise myself this stuff, write this stuff down in my journal, believe it, stand on it, my life began to radically change. And I could tell you guys, the last five years of my life looks nothing like the little girl from Pomona that was being molested, that came from teen parents, that didn't know how to read or write. I got put back in the second grade, and now I'm the author of two books working on a whole journal line like come on my life statistics say where I should be but God says where he wanted me to be because I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you saith the Lord so I'm, I'm here to tell you that you can love yourself with all the scars with all the hurt with all the bruises with all the ups and the downs take it from me if I could get out of that rut and if I could change the way I view myself and because I love love myself, man. Like I love everything about me. I love that I'm emotional. I love that I'm a giver. I love that I'm a little uh, gangster, a little ratchet. I love all that about me. I love it. I love it. And can't nobody tell me anything about myself because I love who I am. And that's what I want you guys to do. Take these rituals, take these steps that I have taken or, or adopt your own. Maybe this won't fit for you, but find something for you to truly love yourself 
no, I, I know, I know. Some of you guys are like, whatever, girl, I love myself. Do you really? I want you to take inventory because if you love yourself, you're not going to allow people to run all over you. You're not going to allow people to treat you any type of way. And you're not going to be triggered by what other people say about you. When you truly love yourself, you know who you are, you know whose you are, and you stand on that. <sighs> All right, y'all. That was so good. Man, that took a lot of me. That required a lot. But now I want to move on to the advice column. So I got a a letter from a listener, and we're going to call her Coco. And Coco wants to know, her letter was very short, but she wanted to know, how do you get over your past And, you know, this is what I think about that. My grandfather used to sing a song uh, way back in the day at church. He would say, um, God's got a way that you can't, I ain't going to sing it, but he would say there's a way that God has that you can't go under, you can't go around, you must come in at the door. And I believe that's how it is with our past, right? So there are some things that we don't get over. We just get through. We just go through them, right? So my stroke, I still have residual. So there's still some things that are lingering from my stroke. But the past, as far as like the things that happened to me as a little girl, that stuff doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. And what I've learned is it didn't happen to me, but it happened for me. When you change your perspective about your past and when you change your perspective about the things that happened to you, I think it's easier to navigate through that stuff and just know you don't have to carry it. So as I'm talking, God's showing me a vision of like going onto an airplane. And um, I don't know if you've ever been on a trip, but when you go on a trip, one of the things that you have to do is you have to weigh your bag, you know, your bag that you're going to carry on. Um, You have to weigh that. And if it's too heavy, you can't take it on. You got to check that bag. And if it's way too heavy, you have to pay extra to even check your bag. That's how our past is sometimes. Sometimes our past is so heavy that we we just got to check it. Don't take it with us. Leave it. Like, leave it. In fact, you can take some stuff out of it. You, you know, have you ever been to the airport and they say, okay, you can carry this on for free, but you're going to have to get rid of that. You, you best believe you start taking stuff out that bag and you leave it right there at the airport so you don't have to pay that extra fee. Stop letting your past hold your future hostage. Stop paying for the things of your past. Stop. Just stop. Leave it. Leave it. Some stuff you will never get over. You just get through it day by day. Every day I think about what it would be like if my daughter survived, what it would be like if I didn't have to bury my daughter, what it would be like if, you know, my marriage just lasts. You know, I think about that stuff, but I don't allow it to hold me hostage and I leave it where it's at. I don't check it. I don't, I just, I just leave it, you know, and every day doing these rituals, doing the journal, doing, you know, working out, getting your mind, body, and soul healthy, you will eventually be able to navigate through your past. So thank you, Coco. Thank you for sending in that letter. Uh, The last thing I want to do before I talk about our community spotlight is I have a freebie. So it's the three T's to success. I would love, love, love to send it to you, which has helped me transform my life into this road of self-love. If you want a copy of the three T's to success, 
email me at tuesdaywithtamika at gmail.com. Email me there with your questions, your listener letters. If you if you want me to read your letter online or on the podcast live, go ahead and email me at tuesdaywithtamika at gmail.com. All right. Y'all ready for our community spotlight? It's us, the community. So one of the things that I'm living my life by is as I go higher, I'm lifting people with me. So I am super, super, super excited to announce this week's community spotlight. It is somebody that is near and dear to my life. Y'all probably get tired of me saying that. I say everybody near and dear to my life, right? (laughs) But this person truly is. um, And she and her really good friend, they have their own modeling firm. And how fitting, right? Self-love. And and their modeling firm really, really nurtures self-love. You know, they're not the typical modeling firm. I mean, they are professional. They are amazing. But they also um, understand that beauty comes in all different shapes and sizes. So I am super excited to shout out TMI Modeling Firm. You can get in contact with them on all social media sites at TMI Modeling Firm. If you are an expiring uh, model, I ain't going to put some of y'all on blast, but I know some of y'all. I'll be seeing y'all posting for the gram and y'all be looking good or whatever. Why don't you turn some of that into some coin and really get, you know, if you feel like that's your passion to model or to do those things, get in contact with TMI Modeling Firm. You can email them your questions at Tata and Moon. That's T. T-A-T-A-A-N-D-M-O-N at gmail.com. That's Tata and Moon. If you have questions, if you want to know how to get started, they do consultation. They are, I mean, they are an amazing, amazing group of women that are really out here just inspiring and uplifting folks. So shout out to you guys. I see you, girl. I'm proud of you. Let's get it. All right, y'all, that's my time. Um, We probably went a little bit over today, but I feel like it was well worth it. I know I definitely feel a load lifted off of me. So let's just leave with that quote one more time or that scripture I had to say. It's Jeremiah 29 and 11. Get this scripture, write it somewhere where you could see it daily. Put it on your windshield, get a little sticky, put it on your... um, mirror in your car, put it on your desk at work, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, because you, what I can tell you for sure is you're going to go through hard times. And I know that you already have gone through hard times, but all those hard times are for the making of you. Everything that I went through was a gift for me to truly love myself. So the scripture says, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. God knows it, and he's never going to leave nor forsake you. All of those things are for the making of you, and it's for you to truly love yourself. I hope you guys have an amazing Tuesday, an amazing week. I love you. I miss you. Bye-bye.